The Veritas Radio Network is guaranteed the right to offend, annoy, agitate, shout, heresy, and entertain. You should start programming right now. Kind of like the cultural sewage served up on Bravo or CMT, only it's on 24 hours a day. Except Sundays. When the truth gets you angry and you throw your smartphone, remember, no one is forcing you to listen to the truth on the Veritas Radio Network. You can't handle the truth. You're doing that of your own free will. That's what makes this country great and any gay marriage pointless. That's offensive. So there isn't much you can do about it, Chowderhead. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Grab a book, take a vow, and conform your mind to reality. Otherwise, you're just another Judas-inspired Karl Marx wannabe. And your children will steal your credit card number to buy tickets to the Miley Cyrus Twerkers Ball. I came in like a Are you ready? Let's get it on. On the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade. Almost heaven. West Virginia. Blue Ridge Mountains. Shenandoah River. Life was older, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, blowing like the breeze. Country road, take me home to the place where I belong. West Virginia, my mama, take me home. Good afternoon and welcome again to My Story of America Radio here on the Veritas Radio Network, your crusade channel. It is radio the way it should be. You know, it is just truly another wonderful week. Weather is great here. I am in our West Virginia studios, wild and wonderful West Virginia. I watched last night as the senator from our state, Shelley Moore Capito, delivered a rousing address at the uh, Republican National Convention. And um, I've, I've actually been with Shelley a couple of times on um, for events where I've spoke, and uh, she's got a great family, great people. Um, but what do you expect? I mean, she's from West Virginia, born and raised here. She understands the folks. She understands the people. And... Um, you know, it's great when you travel and you do get a chance to meet some real people, some some folks that are just real. Um, you know, I've I've had that opportunity. You know, the new book that just came out, Author of Liberty. I was thinking the other day when I was talking to uh, Don Jakeway, who uh, we had on the show, who parachuted into Normandy during the D-Day invasion. But I was talking to him, and I ended up speaking with his son there later on, and it just is a reminder of the hard work, the dedication that um, many people go through every day, not looking for the limelight, not looking to be put up on a pedestal. They just want to go to work. They want to take care of their families, and they want to enjoy the relationships that they have with one another. That's it in a simple nutshell. Well, today we have the second part, you might say, of the episode. If you missed just a couple of weeks ago, um, we discussed Islamic terrorism, and we had a guest on our show that day who really I've come to know and I've come to really enjoy uh, just as a, not only as a person but as a friend. And I was thinking about his story because we're going to talk to him more today and find out. You know, today's episode is called Terrorists, 
they're here. Um, I thought about that, you know, from the movie E.T., they're here. But regardless, when I think about Kamal's story, it it, it so coincides with the um, story in the first book, Author of Liberty, the guy that uh, grew up in Afghanistan living under Talib- the Taliban and witnessing beheadings, witnessing stonings. Um, and so as I think about those things, it's very relevant for what we're going to discuss today. Now, if you want to get a hold of me, you can email me at michael at mystoryofamerica.com. You can reach out to me on Twitter. It's mystoryamerica. You can certainly call the radio network here, and we will get you in. It is 844-527-8723. That's 844-5-CRUSADE. But what we're going to do is we're going to pick up where we left off two weeks ago, exploring Islamic terrorism in America, here on My Story of America Radio. The moment a truck speeds up and then plows through crowds of people gathering for a national celebration in Nice in France. The vehicle travelled for more than a mile along the waterfront promenade, knocking people over before stopping. Here, police can be seen firing into the cab of the truck. At least 84 people were killed, with many more injured. Speaking on Thursday night, the French president, François Hollande, blamed Islamic terrorism. He called the incident a deliberate killing and extended France's state of emergency for three months. Thursday night's attack in France is a huge blow to a nation still dealing with the aftermath of terror attacks in November in Paris, which killed 130, and another terror attack in January, which killed 17. How does this happen? How does a nation end up having terror attack after terror attack after terror attack. It has to happen because you have terrorists living amongst your midst. As we watch and we see what's happening in France and we see all around the world, we used to feel like we were insulated, like we didn't have to worry. It could never happen here. And we've learned recently that it now it does happen here, and it happens here on a far too regular occurrence. So how does that happen? Well, our guest today not only will be able to tell us how that happens, but he was an active part at one point of recruiting people for Orthodox Islam and for radical jihadist networks here in the United States. So let's go to our guest on the hotline, the Dude Maker hotline, and let's say hello to Kamal Saleem here on the Crusade Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network, radio the way it should be. Kamal, how are you today, sir? Uh, it's an honor being with you. This is a great time to, uh, you know, uh, to be able uh, to speak with you and to your uh, people, listeners, about the uh, the expose that you're making. Well, I tell you, I um, I, I want to just you know catch people up to speed a little bit so we can get right into things. We're, we're going. I know the hour will fly by fast. You know, a couple weeks ago we we had Kamal on, and Kamal grew up in Lebanon. You know, he grew up learning about, you know, um, jihadiness, but I don't even know the term, really learning about Islam, the Koran, and learning about how Jews and Christians were really just infidels, how we really needed to be eliminated. And his whole life, if you can just take him briefly through Kamal, just a, just a real quick 
where we were, and then we'll get started with today. Well, uh, last time we, we spoke about many things, but, but here's uh, the things that are most important is uh, God can do miracles in, in such time and day and hour that God can take somebody, you know, from being a radical Muslim coming to destroy a nation to be the servant of the nation through Christ and through His grace and mercies and love. And that is, you know, the message for today. And uh, my past tense did, uh, uh, did not dictate my future. Exactly. Because my current time is, uh, is I'm the new man that God made me to be, and that is the image of Christ, which is, changes everything, and that is a true miracle. And uh, my past is today is the stepping stone that I can speak about and expose to, uh, to the world out there to know how to better stand and fight and, uh, um, you, know, uh, and uh, you know, see what's happening in clarity. And I think that's important. In fact, what we want to get into today is I really want you to take the, the broadcast audience out there, tell them about your, your time coming to America and then how you went about basically recruiting people for Islam. Well, uh, I was commissioned to the United States of America, and the commission, as you see today, many Muslim Brotherhood are commissioned here to the United States. We came not to be equal, so therefore what happened is uh, our ideology was to penetrate the culture from within. It was not like the 9-11 people. Our, you know, the way we we're going about it, it's called culture jihad in a form of stealth jihad. And that is uh, to, to be uh, part of the culture, but yet when you climb to the mountain of influence that you sit on, they can, you can create a shift and move the culture from one place to another. Uh, there are two kind of people that we need to look about. You know, these are the wolf in sheep clothing, and that's how we came about. There are those that they are radically saying, you know, peaceful Muslims are going to hell. You know, these are Muslims. Because Muhammad's philosophy of law was radical. If you don't follow in the jurisprudence way of Muhammad, you are going to hell. If uh, if it was good for Muhammad, then it is good for you as well. You can be great. You cannot be greater than Muhammad. You know, just and these group are like uh, ISIS, Al Qaeda, Boko Haram, Al Shabaab, and many other and the Muslim Brotherhood. You know, in in different fashion, like Hamas, that is a war group. The second group there is uh, there are those saying radical uh, radicals are going to hell because Islam is people want to change the world by da'wah. What is da'wah? Da'wah is a form of jihad because it is uh, attack the culture and uh, by intimidation, deception, to change the culture. What is da'wah? Da'wah is, is to bring Islam to the United States street by engaging the people with a new level to confuse them. And how that da'wah goes? It has debate, it has political presence, it has assimilation into USA religious movement and activism, you know. And these groups uh, called like uh, CARE, Council American Islamic Relation, Islamic Council of North America, ISNA, MSA, Muslim uh, Society of North America, uh, Muslim Student Association, MA, MSA, MSU, Muslim Student Union, MYNA, Muslim Youth of North America. You know, these all front groups for the Muslim Brotherhood, 
you know, both of these guys, what happened, they believe in Dawah. They believe in Jihad. They believe in Sharia. They believe in Islamic supremacy, and they believe in Islamic Great Commission. The Great Commission of Islam says, Muhammad says, uh, the Prophet of Islam says, Inni umertu an al I have been commended by Allah to war against the people of the world until everyone says there's no God but Allah and Muhammad his Prophet. And that is the first tenant of Islam. So when you look at all this, you'll find out these two that we have to distinguish between. One is dressed in jihadi's garb and one is wearing suits. You know, so they are wearing suits. And they're deceiving the culture in, in modern, you know, Islam and what so have you. So, but the way I came to do uh, jihad in America is, uh, you know, and that's how the recruitment of uh, the uh, peaceful Muslim or the moderate Muslim to radicalism, it goes into colleges and universities. It goes into the jail system. It goes into the mosques. It goes into conferences uh, via Internet, dating websites, and poor neighborhoods. This is where the Muslim radical, uh, they nest in those areas to really see who is the weak and who is pressing on and coming through so they can take that person and turn him to radical, and they will see whether he's ultra-radical or he's smart. If he's smart... What happened is they make him a useful idiot. A useful idiot is somebody they can use for their ambition to advance their, you know, jihad, which is holy war, through a form of politics or banking or family or religious or government. But the other one that has no understanding, they push them into the group where they can kill themselves by killing others to bring, you know, uh, greatness to Islam and to Allah and Muhammad. You know, how? here's a question that I think some people would like to know. When you came to America, I mean, when you came here, did you have a job? Did, how, what, what were you doing for money? What, what, what were you doing for finances? Well, uh, w when you are commissioned here at the beginning, you have the money, the petrodollar money that the American people uh, invest in every day by buying American, you know, Saudi uh, petrol. And that which is, you know, the Saudi, when they send us in here, uh, we came, we have abundant of finances, and it comes uh, in a form of uh, travel checks. It comes in a form of, uh, you know, Hawara, which is uh, a banking group that they are in the 7-Eleven stores that owned by radical Muslims or mechanics or grocery store. Behind the scene, they have what's called Hawara, so you show up there. And you get the, those monies, you know, and you get your, uh, you know, what they want you to do. So, therefore, to avoid the telephone lines and avoid the computer. You know, it's interesting. Just like we might commission a missionary to go to a foreign land to spread the gospel, they do the same. The, the difference is, and, and I think this is an important aspect to know, the difference is when we go into a land we're really bringing life and unfortunately islamic jihad brings nothing but death well we get to understand that satan has nothing original uh you know he takes what is good and pure and lovely and he perverted it to something uh horrendous 
to affect the people because his his heart desire is to destroy you know God's image that he's created the mankind in so therefore they will not be sitting with God but they will be sitting in hell so therefore what happened is the uh, the opposite polar uh, today when you see what when the Muslims doing something they it, it has a good presence outside but what's behind the scene it is uh, really ugly you know because the purpose is a different spirit and different understanding uh in, when I was reading your book, um, Blood of the Lamb, there was a section in there that I really thought was very poignant that I'd like you to touch on. You talked about going to you know, a poor neighborhood and knocking on the door and trying to get the mothers. Share, share a little bit about that experience, because I want the callers to really, or the listeners, to actually hear what takes place. Well, in my experience, uh, what I did is I used to target the poor neighborhoods where, uh, you know, the American culture have left, where, you know, the people over there are like black, Mexican, or poor, poor white people. So therefore, what happened is we knocked on the doors, and we're always trying to introduce ourselves to neighbors and see if they have needs. And by interacting with their needs, uh, we find out, you know, we create relationships to, uh, to infiltrate their ranks. But in one of my experiences one day is I was uh, roaming in the neighborhood, and as I knocked on a door, I heard a child was crying, and that child was crying, you know, brutally, you know, and uh, like something is wrong with that child, and nobody was stopping that child from crying. I kept knocking and knocking, even, you know, uh, when nobody answered, I went in there, and I saw the mother uh, holding her baby, and her baby uh, was hungry, and she didn't have milk to give him. And so, therefore, what happened is I said, well, where's the daddy? She said, he's trying to go find milk because we could not afford buying it. And that day, what I did is I went bought milk, sugar, flour, different things, and brought it to the house. And what happened, she was able to feed her child and feed the family. And by doing so... It, it changed the uh, the whole house. Now they are receiving Islam, and they allowing Islam to be part of their culture. We take meat to the poor neighborhood, uh, you know, where they could not afford it, and we feed them a solid meal, uh, and we tell them this is Islam, but this is only to allow us in. And once they believe in what we have, we can radicalize the whole family to work for our benefit. And then we can always thrive on taking their children and, and bringing their children to give them jobs, you know, within an Islamic organization, mosques, different things, or mechanic, uh, 7-Eleven. And when they're working and now they are employed by us, they believe that Islam is a true and holy religion. This is so important, I think, for people to hear and listen to what takes place. You know, when we're too busy to help our fellow man, don't be don't be shocked when someone that's willing to take advantage of their situation moves in. You know, we see it with governments. Now we see it with religions doing that to take an advantage. You know, Kamal, here's one of the things that I, and I thought about this 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 morning. What kind of groups or not so much groups or maybe even businesses that you know of or even people of influence that we see in America today that um, are directly tied to some of these groups? 
uh, you know, there are several of them, you know, and uh, the the people we need to be aware of care. Council American Islamic Relations, ISNA, Islamic Society of North America, MSA, Muslim Society of North America, MSA, Muslim Student, uh, you know, Muslim Student uh, Union and Muslim Student. Uh, uh, you know, uh, for the, are there, the university. Are there specific businesses and stuff, though, that are literally tied to these groups, or or do we know, or do you know individuals? I mean, do we do we have current administration officials or or Congress officials that are tied to these groups? You're absolutely right, because uh, you know your original question is how we infiltrate the uh, the neighborhood, the poor neighborhood. You know, we infiltrated in the same methodology to the jail system and to the professorhood, which is, you know, in universities and colleges, and also into the government, because we found out a lot of these, uh, you know, uh, a lot of these uh, politicians at that time, you know, they are they're hungry for money, God of mammon, and so therefore when we offer them finances and support in the name of we believe in your move, what happened is, they start worshiping at our altar. At that time, there was different groups uh, that today I, I they are no longer involved in this move, you know. But today there are you know Allisons like from uh, Wisconsin, uh, from uh, uh, you know uh, right there next to Wisconsin, the state neighboring state, uh, Minnesota, Minnesota. You know Allison, and then we have several others. You know. Uh, that they are in our American government, you know, from Sohail, uh, Sohail Ali Khan. Sohail Ali Khan is he is on the American uh, Republican uh, Department, you know, and he uh, he is an infiltrator. He is one of the uh, Muslim Brotherhood, and then we have uh, we have several others in our government specifically set there and financed by Muslims to change our culture and to say no. When you know anti-Islamic bill comes about, like against Sharia law and what they have, so they can stand against it and call it Islamophobe. You know, this is in the in the political arena. You know, and uh, in the businesses, uh, we have what's so called you know financial uh, group. You know, like Hawara. Today, uh, the uh, several banking system in the United States of America are using Islamic money. Because their money is failing, and so now they are leaning on Islamic funds, and this is will uh, support their need, financial need, to stay in business. And this is happening almost in every bank, you know, except those small banks, you know, neighborhood banks. They are away from this. Uh, so it's happening within our culture through the banking system. Then they are engaging our judicial system as well by going to uh, bringing their cases to, to the judge. And, and it's a setup, basically, to implement Sharia law within our uh, you know, judicial system. So they bring two people, for instance, what happened in New Jersey, an imam who beat his wife severely. And uh, the, the reason why he beat her, because she could not have sex with him. And the Quran says, and Sharia law said, that it, it is her duty to sleep with him as many times as much as he asked her. And when she could not sleep with him because she had a scar tissue of having so many children, what happened? He beats her, you know, until her eye came out of her eye socket. 
And so, therefore, she sued him for this. And what happened is uh, he said, well, when I married her, I married her under, you know, Islamic Sharia law. So, therefore, you have to judge me by Islamic Sharia law. So what happened is the judge said, well, by your laws, you know, he's right, you're wrong. You have to go. So the, the woman had a good, a good lawyer. Her lawyer went and sued uh, the court, and she said, well, this woman lives under the American Constitution and not under the Islamic Constitution, Sharia law. Because if she wanted to, she would have lived overseas. But now that she lives here in the United States, she wants justice through the American Constitution. So she won the case. So we are finding many of those cases are happening specifically in front of us to deceive our culture and shift it from American Constitution and belief to Islamic Constitution and belief. You know, and I read the other day, and I might be a little wrong on the number, but I know it was more than 50 percent of um, current Muslims in America would be happy to institute Sharia law. And that's, you know, that's a scary thought when you actually read um, and you hear about some of the things that go along with what it means to live under Sharia law, especially, you know, with the, with the way women can be treated. You're absolutely right, uh, you know, because here's the thing. Statistic by the pews, you know, which is, I like them the best, because the pew is still solid and has not been infiltrated unlike others. Uh, it shows 60% of American Muslim want Sharia law. And when you look at 60%, you know, uh, that is a great number. You know, after they have sworn to defend this nation uh, against its enemy and also to follow its own constitution and, and swear to God of this nation, now they have changed their minds, so they falsify what they swore on, just like Shahrazad. You know, the uh, New, York Square, uh, New York Square bomber, when the judge asked him when he put his SUV in, in, in the city over there in New York, if it went off, it'll ki it will kill over 3,000 people. Uh, and, uh, but it did not go off because he didn't know how to set the, the starter on it, the fuse. So what happened is when the judge asked him, didn't you swear when you came to America, to, uh, you know, to defend this nation, to uphold its laws, and to stand, you know, for, uh, you know, for this nation. And he said, I did not swear to my God. I, sw I did not swear to your God. I swore to my God. So therefore, what happened is uh, there is a methodology of deception that they can deceive the culture with. And now, with our current President Obama changing the, uh, the, the oath, uh, the oath to receive the American citizenship. You don't have to swear to the American God, and you don't have to defend America. Uh, by stature, you know, by, uh, you know, this is, will set the whole culture into a place that these people, when they fight against us, because they have the rights to do it. And so when you see all this that's taking place and bringing illegal aliens in here that they have not been vetted, and bringing 7,000 of them over, uh, over the, uh, the 4th of July to be naturalized in our nation, uh, these are illegal, should not be in here, and they naturalize those 7,000. What happened is we are set up for trouble, very nearby future trouble. We are set up for it. You know, it's interesting, and we're going to get ready and go to a break here in just a moment. 
But I was thinking about that because I had I had a show where I did uh, recently with a lady that had grown up in Syria. She was Eastern Orthodox Christian, and um, she talked about how they had relatively had a peaceful life until the Muslim Brotherhood came in and her family lost everything. Folks, if you like what you're hearing on the Crusade Channel today, then why not support our crusade and become a Founders Past member today? and gain instant streaming and download access to every episode of this show and all the others on the Crusade channel, including The Flow by Kurt Wallace and Reverse Deception. You can subscribe to the Founders Pass for as little as 23 cents per day. You can also choose between a monthly or a yearly membership. And now during July, for every yearly membership, we'll ship you an autographed copy of Humility of Heart, which is signed by this new edition's editor, our very own Mike Church. It's a free gift from us. But that's not all. As a special free gift, we are also offering beautiful handmade wooden kitchen cutting boards from our sponsor, McClureBlock.com, for becoming a founding brother or crusade member, or by making a $500 cash donation to the monthly crowdfunding campaign. So please join our crusade today and become a Founders Past member by going to VeritasRadioNetwork.com forward slash join or call 866-483-3833. This is the Veritas Radio Network, radio the way it should be. I used to have a home, the place I started from, a place to call my own. The bright lights and late nights, the devil took me on a midnight ride. Lift me out in the desert on my own And now I feel alone I need a hand to help me find my way back home I'm a drifter out on a dead end road Trying to find my way back home to get to you Oh, to get to you I don't belong And I've got to get 